Well, and all God's people said, Amen. It's sure good to see you this morning, church, as we finish out our series through the life of Joseph. I ask that you uh, pray for me this morning. My system is telling me that spring is here. And so I've had, so I've got seasonal allergies, and so I've had a runny nose, and I've had some congestion, and a little bit of a scratchy throat, uh, but uh, anyway, hopefully I can uh, get through the two morning messages this morning, but you be ready just in case I can't, I may call on you to finish, amen? All righty. Well, it is uh, wonderful to see you. I hope you've enjoyed this sermon series through the life of Joseph where we have been encouraged by the sovereignty of God, the fact that God is, is large, that he's in charge, that he's on the throne, that he's at work in and through our life, even during the valleys, even during the, the dark nights, the tough times God is still on the throne. And all God's people said, and so no matter what you go through, we learn through Joseph, no matter what you go through, if, if you just hang in there and if you just hold on and you keep loving and you keep trusting the Lord, he, He's going to get you through it. And, and beautiful things can still come out of really rough times and, and really dark times. We've been inspired by Joseph's faithfulness by his faith in the Lord, by one who never gave up, who, who never threw in the towel. And we find that through the ups and the downs, the roller coaster of Joseph's life, that today as we reach the climax of this passage, we see today Joseph's dreams come true. And they're an inspiration to us to never give up, never give up. Just a little bit of a review for you this morning uh, as we uh, finish out this series. Uh, Joseph, we know, was the favorite child of his father Jacob, but that favoritism led his brothers to hate him in jealousy. Joseph had a dream as a 17-year-old young man, a dream of his family coming to bow down before him. Well, this seemingly prideful dream of elevation drove Joseph's brothers to hate him even more. Their jealousy and hatred led them to sell him as a slave for $98.24 to some Midianite traders who then traded him to some Egyptians and Joseph found himself in the palace of Pharaoh himself. While there in Egypt, God blessed Joseph Rather than remaining a common slave, he was promoted and he wound up as an assistant to Potiphar, the captain of the royal, uh, uh, Pharaoh's royal bodyguard. Well, during his time of service, <clears throat> Potiphar's wife made a sexual advance upon Joseph. And while Joseph said no, even running out of his coat to flee, he was falsely accused and he was placed in prison. It was there in prison that Joseph exercised a great gift that God gave him, the ability to interpret dreams. And that ability eventually brings him before Pharaoh to interpret a dream that Pharaoh had, a couple of dreams. It was dreams warning of a terrible time of seven years of famine that was coming. The dream also revealed that before the seven years of famine, there would be seven years of plenty. Joseph, led by the Lord, recommended a plan that would enable Egypt to survive the seven years of famine through resources that were stored up during the seven years of plenty. 
The plan pleased Pharaoh, and Joseph was elevated to second in command in the land. The famine that affected Egypt affected all surrounding areas of the time, and that led Joseph's brothers to run towards Egypt for mercy. This morning, we'll look into the emotional moment when Joseph and his brothers are reunited, and Joseph finds himself face-to-face with the choice to forgive. Face-to-face with the choice to forgive. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41, as we look back and, and, and look at the bridge between last Sunday's sermon and where we're going, we're going to cover a lot of different verses this morning, and so uh, be ready to move forward and, and move along quickly as we move uh, from Genesis chapter 1 and just hit some highlights all the way through Genesis chapter 50. In Genesis chapter 41, we see in verses 53 through 57 how the famine affects all of the land. Verse 57 of Genesis chapter 41. So 41, uh, chapter 41 verse 57 says, All the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. And then turn over, if you would, in chapter 42 verses 1 through 5, as we see that Jacob has to send his boys, Joseph's brothers, to Egypt, but he doesn't want to let go of his youngest, Benjamin. He is broken over what happened to Joseph, and he can't bear to let Benjamin go on this journey to Egypt. So Genesis 42, 1 through 5 says that when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us that we may live and not die. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain For there was famine in the land of Canaan also. And we see here Jacob's reluctance to let Benjamin go to Egypt because Benjamin was his youngest. And in ancient times, ancient culture, uh, frankly, the youngest in the family was often the favored or the favorite. And one of the reasons why is because typically the youngest wound up being the one who would take care of of the parents when they were aging. It it, it was believed that the youngest, by the time the parents were in their later years, the youngest child would be old enough to care for the parents, but yet they weren't entangled yet with their own family and their own responsibilities. And so many looked at their youngest as security for the future. One of my commentators that I was studying from says that he was in Ethiopia on a short-term mission trip, and he saw this very same thing. He met a man who was the 11th child in his family. And so the family named him... Imharic. His name was Imharic. 
And literally, this 11th child named Imharic, the name meant our security. And it's kind of funny when you think about it, naming your child or naming your baby security. In our day and age, I I guess translated, that's kind of like naming your baby 401k, amen? Uh, Or or, how you doing, little IRA? Yes, you're so cute, aren't you, little IRA, right? It's kind of what that's like in our day. But Benjamin was Jacob's security. And so he's reluctant to let Benjamin go. We see the brothers take on and go ahead and they go without Benjamin. And if you'll look with me in chapter 42 and verse 6, we see this reunion of Joseph and his brothers. Verse 6, now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Ah, church, does anybody remember the dream? Slip up those hands. Let me see you this morning if you remember the dream back in chapter 37. Hear the dream that Joseph had is fulfilled. As these brothers bow down before Joseph in mercy. Verse 7, as soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger. And he spoke harshly to them. Where where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Part of what's going on here is you have to understand that Joseph... Uh, is, is going to be, uh, he's going to look quite different than he did when they sold him into slavery. Uh, one of the big things is he's going to be in all Egyptian guard. And by the way, uh, 20 years have passed since they sold Joseph into slavery. And over the course of 20 years, uh, an adult changes in their appearance quite a bit. I've noticed this. I've told you all before that when I go back to my hometown and I visit my family, if I go to the Walmart or you name it, uh, I, can, I, can, I can cross paths with a best friend from high school and I don't recognize them. They just all look so old. Right? Not, not me, right? No, you're, you're with me. Hey, how many of you, raise your hands if you know you don't look as old as the classmates you graduated with. Let me, let me see your hand. Everybody ought to raise your hands, right? No, we don't look as old as they, none of us look as old as our classmates, right? And, and so they, they don't recognize Joseph, but certainly as all these brothers come in, uh, Joseph recognizes them. And then he begins in, as we look, look in verse 9 through 12. Then he remembered his dreams about them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my Lord, they answered, your, your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your, your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said, you've come to see where our land is unprotected. And thus begins, if you've read this church, and if you haven't, uh, I, I encourage you highly, read the rest of Genesis. Genesis chapter 42 through 45 begins a section where it appears like Joseph is, is just messing with his brothers. 
He's just fiddling with them. Uh, has anybody seen the commercial messing with Sasquatch? Huh? The beef jerky commercial, yeah? Um, th- th- this is Joseph messing with his brothers, it appears. It appears that Joseph's just fiddling with these guys, just giving them a hard time. And the reader might want to say, knock it off already, Joseph. But they've pleaded with you. They've be- you know who they are. Knock it off. But I don't think that Joseph is simply messing with his brothers. I think he's testing them. I think Joseph is testing his brothers and and he just has to know in this process of forgiveness. He's going to forgive, but he just has to know. He's just curious. Have they grown up? Have they developed character? Are these clowns any different than the ones that sold him into slavery when he was a 17-year-old young man? And, And thus begins this testing of his brothers they mention in the course of conversation a younger brother Benjamin in 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 chapters 42 through 45 they mention they have a younger brother Benjamin and Joseph says I you know I, I don't know if I believe you if you do go back go back and get him and bring him here so I can see him for myself well they go back home and Jacob again Jacob's reluctant he's not going to send Benjamin back but the famine is so bad that he relents. He does send Benjamin. And so Benjamin is there and Joseph blesses them and he, and he gives them food and he gives them money and he sends them back. But then he sends his guards to chase after them on the way back because he says, my silver cup is missing. Who... T- who took, who took my silver cup? Brothers say, not us. We promise. We've got the food. We've got the valuables we, we sent you, but we don't have your silver cup. He says, guards search their bags. And they find the silver cup in Benjamin's bag. Joseph planted it there. Joseph planted it in Benjamin's bag and he says, hey, the the guilty one must stay in prison here in Egypt. All of you can go back. Every one of you can go back. You're free to go back. But Benjamin is going to have to stay here. And then if you look with me in your Bible, Genesis chapter 44 in verse 21, a beautiful moment, a beautiful moment that loudly proclaims that these brothers indeed have changed. It's Judah now. It's Judah now standing up and pleading for Benjamin's life. If you look with me uh, in, in verses 21 through 32, I won't read it all, but to collect what's going on here, uh, Judah says, hey, we've already told you, our father Jacob cannot bear to lose Benjamin. Uh, he almost didn't let us even come back, but, but the famine was so bad, we had to bring Benjamin. And, and our father says he's going to die. If, if anything happens to Benjamin, he's going to die, verse 29. We, we can't, Judah says, we can't go back without Benjamin. I, I, I won't go back. I won't go back without Benjamin. 
Look at how moving this is in verse 34 of your Bible. Judah says, now then, please let your servant, that's Judah speaking of himself, please let me, let me remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. And church, in this beautiful moment, Judah was willing as a grown man to be the substitute for his little brother, to be the substitute for Benjamin, to be the one who would bear the, the brother that, that, as far as he knows, was guilty. They didn't know Joseph planted that silver cup in Benjamin's sack. As far as Judah knows, Benjamin's guilty and deserves what he's got coming. And Judah says, I'll suffer for him. Church, let me remind you that our Lord Jesus Christ is the lion from the tribe of Judah. The one who came to die for me, to suffer for me, to sacrifice for me. And what a beautiful picture here in the Old Testament of Judah standing up and saying, you can take me. And church, that's when Joseph breaks. Look with me in verse 45. If you'll turn to, or chapter 45. If you'll turn to chapter 45, you'll see the word then, T-H-E-N, then. It's based upon what Joseph has just witnessed that he breaks down. Look at verse 1 of Genesis 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he, and he wept. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. It was at that moment, that beautiful moment when he sees the brothers have grown up, that Judah has grown up, that they have developed character, that there's this emotional, this enormous emotional relief, that all, all of this pain that had been captivated in Joseph's heart, that, that surely uh, he had given to the Lord and he had trusted God with, but all this emotion just began spilling out. The fact that his own brother sold him into slavery as a 17-year-old young man, it just comes pouring out in tears. The, the fact that he was falsely accused there in, in Egypt, falsely accused and in prison. It, it just, just starts flooding out. The fact that, that he'd lost all of this time, he'd lost all of this time with his family, it, it, just all, it just all starts flooding out. He lets the streams flow and he cries and he reveals to us what the Bible teaches, I believe, church, and that is it's okay for real men to cry. It's okay for real men to cry. Joseph, a, a real man, a man of men, and he cries. Tears are a gift from God. They, they, give, they give release to the things going on inside. They give expression and release to the things going on inside. And Joseph just opens up and cries. 
years ago, my son Noah, he must have been five or six years old. He asked me one day as a five, six-year-old boy, and I don't remember the context, but he said, Dad, five, six-year-old boy, he said, Dad, have you ever cried before? Got me thinking a little bit. Got me thinking back a little bit to times in my life. You know, it got, it got me thinking back to those, those, those really sad moments in my life and times where I've cried and, and times where I've, I've been a mess. Certainly one of those times in, in my life that, that came up um, was that last second shot that Christian Leitner took in 1992. I, I had a hard time with that. Uh, that was an incredible, I see some of you, Jeff Vincent, I see you shaking your head. That was tough, wasn't it? No, that was a special team. All those Kentucky boys on that team, one step away from the final four. But, but we moved on, amen? The professional counseling helped, right? Um, and, and, um, and here's the deal. Someday we'll get over it. I don't know when that will come, Amen. <laughs> I don't, I don't know when it will come, but someday we'll get over it. But no, seriously, I, I thought back to my life, and I thought back to, to sad, sad times in my life, and times where I've wept, and times where I've cried, and certainly I uh, share with him, you know, I share with him, uh, you know, times when I was a kid, and I'd get hurt, and, and I'd cry, you know, and then um, I'll never, I'll never forget a pivotal moment of sadness in my life was when I was cut from the sixth grade basketball team. I cried. Nobody knew about it, but I cried. Does he may have a tissue, by the way? This is bringing back a whole lot. Um, and then, of course, when I, when I lost my father as a young 48-year-old man, uh, over just, just in, in the blink of an eye, uh, I, I cried, cried a lot. There's been a lot of times in my life that I have cried, but it, it convicted me. It convicted me that my six-year-old son had never seen me cry. And it made me wonder, is it because there's been nothing to cry about? Or is it because some of us, including myself, Try too hard to keep the tears in. Joseph shows us that real men cry. Joseph opens up and he weeps. And it's a beautiful moment. Let's look back at it. It's a, it's a beautiful moment. If you look here at this, of Joseph just, just broken, broken before the Lord. Verse 3, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. What do you think they were thinking, church? It's payback time. And Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they'd done so, he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there'll be no plowing and reaping. Verse 7. But God sent me ahead of you to prepare for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you 
It was not you who sent me here, but God. And he made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all. By the way, that phrase, father to Pharaoh, was a figure of speech in that time to refer to a high place of honor with someone important. There's two things that I want us to make a note of real quickly here. And that's number one, that Joseph forgives his brothers. He's not, he, he's not clinging to the past. He's not bitter about the past. He clearly forgives his brothers. He, he, he's in a place where he could pay them back and he could pay them back really good and chooses not to. And he also affirms the sovereignty of God. That, that God is on the throne. No matter what happens to us, God is on the throne. That yes, he is large and yes, he is in charge. And that no matter what you go through, God's with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. This certainly doesn't, this does not uh, remove from us the responsibility of sin. If you ask Joseph what, what your brothers did, was it sin? He would say, absolutely. Was it wrong? Absolutely. Was it wicked? Absolutely. If you'd say, well, well did, God, did God lead the brothers to do this? No, God doesn't, God doesn't sin and God doesn't lead us into sin. James chapter 1, 13 and 14 makes that clear. We, we, we are responsible for our sin. But this passage teaches us this, that God is stronger than our sin. God is stronger. Listen, God is stronger than what anybody has done to you. God is stronger than what anybody will ever do to you. And God is a God who takes bad things and brings good out of it. Because God is good. And all the time, God is good. We're going to close with this because, uh, hey, it's, it's glorious and it's beautiful. Joseph invites the brothers to come back and to bring Jacob with them. And he does. And as we move through the rest of Genesis, there's a glorious reunion with Jacob. And Pharaoh welcomes all of the family and says, hey, you can have the best of the land. And it's beautiful. But then we see that Jacob passes away. He goes to be with the Lord and then the brothers are scared again thinking, well, maybe the only reason Joseph didn't pay us back was because dad. And then we'll finish with this and we'll be done. Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. Genesis chapter 50, 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent a word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. And when their message came to, jo to Joseph, Joseph wept. I think he wept for them that he knows they're going to they're gonna have such a tough time experiencing this forgiveness for themselves and really embracing the fact that Joseph's forgiven them. Verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what's now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Church, Joseph 
forgave. Joseph's brothers struggled to be forgiven. Author David Siemens has said this in his book, Healing for Damaged Emotions. He has said the two primary causes of emotional distress in life are the failure to forgive and the failure to receive forgiveness. The failure to forgive and the failure to receive forgiveness. Joseph forgave. This morning as we assemble in this place, the Bible teaches that we're all guilty before the God who made us. But God loves us and is willing to forgive. Somebody say amen. That God came from heaven to earth to die on the cross for our sins. And on that cross, he said in the presence of the very ones who put the nails in his hands and his feet, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The very ones who put the nails in the hands and feet of Jesus could have been forgiven if they would have repented and believed in Jesus. That means there's nothing you've done to separate you from the love of God. Nothing you've done to separate you from the forgiveness of God. And if, and if you're struggling to forgive, let me ask you this, do you know His forgiveness? Because none of us can forgive without experiencing His forgiveness. I want to encourage you to forgive those who have wronged you as I forgive those who have wronged me. We'll close with this. <clears throat> Lewis Smeads. We, I think we've got this quote on the PowerPoint. Lewis Smeads has said this about forgiving others. He has said, To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. This morning, have you, have you been forgiven by God? If, if not, you're, you're the only reason that you haven't. It's as simple as calling on the name of the Lord and asking Him to forgive you and cleanse you and wash you from your sins. And God will do it. He's demonstrated His love for us in coming down from heaven to the cross. And is there someone you need to forgive this morning? Forgive them. And experience the freshness of God's Spirit upon your life and the freedom that comes from forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your sovereignty, your power, your might. Thank you for your faithfulness in being with Joseph in Egypt and your faithfulness to be with us. Lord, I humbly hope that someone has been encouraged by your word someone that wanted to give up, wanted to throw in the towel, wanted to quit, but they've been encouraged just to hang in there and trust in you. God, we know you love us. Out of all the questions we have in life, we don't have to question your love for us because you've demonstrated that by coming from heaven to earth to die on that cruel Roman cross for our sins. And God, you've risen from the dead. You're alive and you're in this place to save and to heal and forgive. We ask that you bless this invitation time now. Move in a mighty way. Bring people to Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. This is our invitation time. It's an opportunity for you to respond to the word of God. If you need to be saved, I'll be here along with our associate pastor, Brother Bob Thurman. We're going we're gonna to grab you by the hand. We're going to rejoice with you. We're going to help you come to know Christ as Lord and Savior.
If uh, you're in a place where you want to recommit your life or you know God's calling you to make Second Baptist your church home, don't delay, don't wait on somebody else. You come as we stand right now and as we sing our song of invitation.